I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's the call story of Moses. Exodus chapter 3. We'll begin at verse 1. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I've also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you when you brought the people out of Egypt. You shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love to hear people share their call stories. 
that sense that this is who I'm meant to be, this is who God has called me to be, this is who God has created me to be, a sense of calling. I've always felt that on our ministry team, on our church staff teams in the various churches that I've served, I've never wanted anyone who saw what they do as a job, but rather a calling that God has set you aside to do this task. This is who you are. It's your essence, your identity, it's your being. This scripture is the story of Moses' call. I I love the story. One reason is I'm a very visual person, so I have the tendency to see things in my mind. And and I just love the story of Moses out watching his father-in-law's sheep. I mean, just picture, he's out kind of in a wilderness area. He's walking around. The sheep are grazing. He has to be slightly bored. If he's like me, he was probably really bored. Wheels spinning, and you have to remember... This is prior to the days of internet and social media, so he didn't have his cell phone out just kind of tapping and doing things. He's walking along with the sheep. And as he's walking along, he looks over and he sees a bush that's burning. And at first he doesn't pay much attention to it, but then he notices that it doesn't burn up. It's not consumed. It just keeps on burning and he's paying attention to it and he decides to step over and see what's happening there. And when he does, out of the voice, out of the bush rather, comes a voice that says, Moses, Moses. Now this is where it's a good thing that God was calling Moses this way and not me because the next thing you would have heard coming out of the bush would have been, Terry, come back, come back. I would have been gone. But Moses looks at this, hears his name called, and he he says, here am I. And then God says out of the bush, don't come any closer. You need to remove the sandals from your feet because the place on which you're standing, it's holy ground. And, And it's not holy ground because of the geography. It's because you're in the presence of God. You are now in the presence of God. And and God says to him, I'm the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And Moses, we're told, hides his face because he realizes, "I, I can't look upon God. And then God says to Moses, look, I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard the cry of, of the Israelites. I know that they're hurting in their captivity and I've seen the misery. I've heard their prayers and and I've come down to, to deliver them. And I want to bring them into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And you can imagine Moses is going, yeah, that's awesome. Great. This is what we wanted to hear. And then God said, so I'm sending you. (laughs) And Moses goes, what? I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I want you to go to the Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And and, and this starts this long dialogue back and forth between God and Moses. And and the next thing you hear is Moses goes, who am I? It's probably the same question that most of us ask when we have a call from God in our lives. Who am I that I should do that? And I love God's answer. And if you look at Exodus 3, verse 12, you'll see it again where God says to him, I'll be with you. 
I will be with you. I mean, what, what God is saying to Moses is, he said, I'm going to deliver my children out of the land of Egypt. I just need you to do it with me. I want you to go with me. I want us to do this together. Moses still struggling with it. And he goes, well, <laughs> they're going to ask, who are you? And they start having that, that dialogue. You know, I, well, I am that I am. Tell them I am. It's where we get the word Yahweh, the name of God. Tell them I am sent you. And, and then they say, well, you know, they're not going to believe me. And so God has Moses to hold up. What do you got in your hand? It's a rod, drops it down, it becomes a snake, picks it back up. It's a rod again and put his hand in, comes out leprous, put it back in. I mean, there's so many things that God takes him through, these signs to show him, I really am God and I'm calling you Later, Moses will even go, but I, I can't speak. I'm, I'm not a really good speaker. This is not my gift to stand in front of people and to talk. And, and, and I love chapter 4, verse 14. God gets angry at this point. Or when I was growing up, my mother would sometimes say, I have had it up to here. And about that point... God is saying to Moses, I've about had it up to here. This is who I'm calling you to be. And of course, we know the rest of the story that God then calls Moses. Moses goes to the Pharaoh and you have the amazing scene of the Exodus. The calling motif that you see throughout the Bible is where God will call us to some task. And we have a tendency to resist. Who am I that I should go? I mean, surely not me. Surely there's someone else that's better. Of all the people in the church, of all the people in the community, surely there's someone else. Who am I? God will reaffirm. We resist a little bit more. Somehow God reveals, I really am calling you. And then hopefully we relent and then we become faithful to who God is calling us to be. What I love though, when you watch the call stories is that God will always say, I will be with you. God doesn't call us into a ministry or call us to a task and then say, good luck with that. I'm sending you off on your own. Come back to me when you're done. I'll look forward to hearing from you. But God says, I will be right there with you. In other words, God says, don't worry about who you are. Trust in who I am. I'll be with you. You see it again in the book of Judges. So if you turn over to Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 24, you have the calling of Gideon. Gideon one day is at a wine press actually beating out wheat. And the reason he's doing it there is because he's hiding from the Midianites who are now oppressing Israel. And, and so he's hiding as he's beating out the wheat because if the Midianites see the grain, they'll just come and confiscate it or take it away. So he's hiding away and, and an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and, and he says to him, you know, greetings, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. And I love this because Gideon goes, right, sure he is. If that were true, I mean, read it. I'm not making this up. He says, if that were true, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. 
I mean, God had been faithful to us in the past, but it appears that he's abandoned us, that he's just kind of left us here with the Midianites. And the angel says, but God is now calling you to go and, and help deliver the children of Israel. God is intervening. God is going to do this. He's calling you, and, and you start hearing again, who am I that I should go? I mean, surely not me. As a matter of fact, he goes, right, I'm the one that's supposed to deliver Israel. I mean, my clan is the weakest clan in all of Manasseh, and, and I'm the youngest one in my whole family. You really want to call me to do that. And again, Judges chapter 6, verse 16, catch this. The Lord said to him, but I will be with you. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be doing this. I'm asking you to do it with me. I will be with you. Now, Gideon's another one of those that you see some interesting interchange with God. We tend to do that. I mean, the angel tells him to build an altar. He does, and the angel touches the altar, and the flame comes up and consumes the offering. And, and, and then Gideon's still not sure. He goes, well, Lord, uh, I just had this idea. What if I put out a fleece tonight, and, and in the morning, if there's dew on the fleece, but the ground is really dry, then I'm going to know it's you, and, and, then, and we're good then, Lord. And so the next morning, he gets up, and sure enough, there's dew on the fleece. I mean, he could wring it out. But the ground's dry, and wow. Lord, I just, you know, not try to push my luck any at all, but uh, what if tonight I put out the fleece, and there be dew all over the ground in the morning, but the fleece be dry, and once again, God honors that, and so the next morning, there's dew on the ground, but the fleece is dry, and finally, God has it up to here. Gideon then becomes a vessel for God. You see it with Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. You know, God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet, and Jeremiah starts going, I can't do that, Lord. I'm still in the youth program. I'm, still, I'm just a kid. I'm young. I'm too young. Who's going to listen to me? And, and God says to him, you know, look, Jeremiah, while you were still in your mother's womb, I knew you. And before you were ever born, I consecrated you. But then listen again, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Don't be afraid. I'll be with you. God does not call us into ministry and then abandon us. But here's the thing I want us to remember is every one of us are called into ministry. You are called into ministry. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you're called into ministry. All of us are called by God to serve in some way. Some may be set apart for ordained ministry, but every one of us, every one of us, including you, are called into ministry Somehow, there's something we can do. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, again in Romans 12 and in other places in his writings, refers to the church as the body of Christ. That we all have multiple parts, but we have some part of the body that we play. And if that part is missing, the whole is impacted by it. So the question becomes is, 
What is your part? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, To each of us then is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You have a role to play in the ministry and mission of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our callings may be different. My calling was to be the pastor of a church. For some people, they may be called. We have people in our church that are deacons. They, they're ordained, they're clergy, but they're called to a specialized ministry in the church. We have others that are lay people that are called to full-time ministry within the church. There are people that are, are serving in various roles. Some are in business or other things, but yet have a ministry role. For some people, it's singing that God has blessed them with a voice to be able to help us experience God through their singing. That may be your gift. For others, it's playing instruments. For some people, it may be to be a spiritual leader. Some of the people that have touched my life the most were lay people. I remember as a kid listening to Miss May Clanton as in my little small country church, the preacher would often say, you know, so-and-so, would you lead us in prayer? Miss May, would you lead us in prayer today? And when May Clanton would stand up to pray, I opened my eyes. I'll go ahead and confess to you. I peeked because I wanted to see Jesus because when she prayed, it sounded like Jesus was standing right beside of her and they were having this intimate conversation and I wanted to see what was happening there. Maybe your gift is to be a spiritual leader. One of the people who helped teach me the most about prayer was a, was a, a carpenter. He lived up in the mountains. But he had the gift of prayer. So many of us have different things. Some people it's teaching amazing Sunday school teachers or small group leaders or Bible study teachers, whatever it might be, facilitators. For some people, they have the gift of compassion. And so to care for someone, to, to love a shut-in, to be able to help people through grief or to help people through divorce or to help people through some kind of pain that they might be experiencing is an amazing thing. For some people, it's writing, writing notes of encouragement to other people. For others, it, it could be financial ministries. We've had people who have this this gift that, that they understand numbers phenomenally so their, their ministry is to help the church be good stewards. What is your gift? One of my favorite memories, some of you have heard me tell the story, is of Miss Mabel. When we lived up in the Cherokee area in Whittier, we lived, we were the seventh house on this long gravel driveway, and Miss Mabel, she was probably the fifth house. And Miss Mabel was an amazing baker. Uh, her food was absolutely incredible. So I will confess to you, she got a little more pastoral care than some of the other members of the congregation because every time I'd come home, it's like, Miss Mabel needs to be seen today. Because you knew when you pulled in, you're going to get a good cup of coffee and something that Miss Mabel had made. It was funny throughout the ministry there at that church uh, that I was serving. We would ask, you know, hey, would you be willing to maybe be the president of the Methodist women? No, 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 no. I couldn't do that. Miss Mabel, would you be willing, you know, to help lead this group? No, 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 no. no. I couldn't do that. She, she just felt like I just really don't have a gift that that God can really use somehow. And, and one day as I was getting ready to come home and driving by our house, it hit me and I pulled in 
her driveway, and I sat down with, with Mabel and her husband, John, and, and we had this great conversation. I said, I, I have an opportunity for you. I, I have something that I think, you know, we've been trying to talk about your calling. You bake beautifully, and we take communion every first Sunday of the month. How would you feel about baking the communion bread that, that we will bless to become the body of Christ? And tears started flowing down her face, and she went, I can do that. I, I can do that. I remember the first Sunday that we prepared the altar table, and the bread was there on the table. Her husband, John, shared, man, this may not work out. I said, what do you mean? And he, the, it was just beautiful. He goes, I had to eat seven loaves of bread before we finally got the one that was shaped just perfectly right for her. But for the rest of my ministry in that church... When we shared communion, it was Mabel's offering to God that we could then bless and break and give to the congregation as the body of Christ. I mean, we all have different gifts. Now, another story quickly is that not everybody has that gift. So our gifts are different because I told that story several years ago to someone and they went, oh, I'd like to do that. I'll make the bread for communion. And so the, the next time we had communion, you know, this person brought the bread and this is a true story. I kid you not. I, I took the bread and I said, you know, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And I held up the bread that they had made and, and I started breaking it, but it wouldn't break. I just kept pulling it apart and realized it wasn't done in the middle and I couldn't get it to break. And finally, when I got it out so far, it, it literally started sagging in the middle. I am not making this up. You can ask my wife. And, and it started sagging in the middle to where I had to go like that to kind of get it back together. And, and so when I served communion that day, because that's all the bread that we had, then, you know, I had to work around the edges and serve the congregation. And fortunately, it was enough that I could work around the edges of the done part. But when I finished, I turned around to the table when nobody could see. And I promise you, I'm sitting there taking my fingers and wiping off the dough. Not everybody may have the gift of baking, but that's okay. But you have a gift of something. And what we did was we helped find that person. Here is an area where you can serve faithfully. There's a calling for you in your life. God has a calling, and we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to go, who, me? And if you're thinking, surely not me, there's got to be somebody better, I want you to know Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah said the same thing you're saying. I think we all say that, who, me? Because... On our own, we can't do it. That's what makes it beautiful that God said every time, I'll be with you. I'm not asking you to do this by yourself. I'll be with you. Whatever it is, whatever your calling, whatever your ministry, whatever role you can serve on behalf of Christ, I'll do it with you. I'll be right there with you. As a matter of fact, Matthew 28 Verses 19 and 20, it's known as the Great Commission. And I, I just want you to hear how consistent God is. Jesus is ascending into heaven and he looks to the church, he looks to the disciples and he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Catch this. I love this. And remember, I will be with you always. I'll be with you. God does not call us into ministry and just say, good luck. But I will be with you. In other words, God says to us, don't don't focus so much on who you are. Trust in who I am. And I will be with you always. Always. So I invite you to prayerfully consider how is God using you? What is your gift? What is your talent? What is your ability? What is your passion? What is your calling? And hear God speak to you. And when you go, who am I? You're not the first. But hear God say to you, not asking you to do it by yourself. I'll be with you. Don't worry about who you are. Trust in who I am, God says. And I will be with you always. Amen.